If you're looking for a new way to support SideMission, check out W.GG, an energy supplement company trying to make a difference. Make sure to use code SIDEMISSION for 15% off your order. Thank you, Dubby, for sponsoring this episode, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome in to the newest episode of Side Mission. I, like always, am your host, Rusty Ellis, joined by the boys, Matt Beck, Kyle Lynch. And today, fellas, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe this is the first episode we're recording in 2024. So, that's pretty exciting, if that's true, unless I'm just missing that we recorded another episode this year. Or unless y'all recorded one without me and fired me without me knowing, which if that's the case, I'll just see myself out. I don't know <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, but in all seriousness, excited to get this year started, and we've got a couple really interesting games to talk about. So first for this episode, we're talking about The Last of Us Part Two Remastered. Now, goes without saying that when we first started this podcast, The Last of Us Part Two came out shortly after we started. So we have already done a full review of The Last of Us Part Two story and the gameplay as a whole there. Not really going to touch a ton on the story in this episode because spoiler alert it hasn't really changed joel still dies in the first two hours if you can get over that great if not then you're not going to like the story any more than you didn't like it back in 2020 so not really going to touch much on that we are really going to touch fellas that sounds bad out of context touching fellas <laughs> um pause uh we're really fellas just going to touch on the new stuff that has been added specifically a lot of it is going to be focused on no return the roguelike mode that has been added to this game spoiler alert it is a lot of fun there is quite a bit of variety to it it's a, and we're really enjoying what we've played of it we'll touch a little bit first on the lost levels there's not a ton to talk about there but let's go ahead and dive right in guys uh obviously one thing i think matt i'm going to start with you on this one and i know that's weird because i normally start with kyle but the Lost Levels was something that you and I were really excited about, and it was something that we we were excited to see kind of what got cut from the game, what was close to being into the game that could have added a little bit more maybe meat to the story. And I think what they gave us, while there's not a lot of it, Matt, I liked the overall concept of the Lost Levels and kind of getting that peek behind the curtain. Yeah, and I think that that was a great reason why the uh, this, this remaster uh, exists is getting to expand upon, you know, such a controversial story that we saw through uh, Last of Us 2, which to this day, I mean, just look on, you know, Twitter and, and, and just see how people are still talking about, you know, this, this game to this day, especially with this remake that just came out, excuse me, remaster. Um, but this definitely allowed them to expand just just a, just a tad bit more on on some things. I, I like the fact that we got kind of a bit of an explanation um, as to why they were left out, and it did make sense in the context because this game was already bloated. Like this is a long game. I'm talking about what are we like if you go for like the full completion, close to like 40 hours. Um, but like the, the moments that we get, uh, such as Ellie in, in the uh, Seattle sewer system, was a nice little uh, touch on, you know, during her exploration and her adventure in Seattle. Um, that just that's just one of just the few examples that they added into this game, and I feel like it did expand upon it. I mean, 
if they if they didn't, would would it have been something that was missed? No, I don't think exactly. But it was really cool of them to you know create these little sections, go back and I mean, if these were already done when the game came out, and they just you know cut them out like you know this is kind of a bit of a director's cut sort of thing. Um, they they did a fantastic job including it and not making it feel like you know it was forced into the game. Um, it felt very natural, so I do very commend Naughty Dog on this inclusion. Yeah, Kyle, one thing we talked about a lot was it's really cool and really interesting to hear why certain things get cut and why certain things don't end up making it into the final product. And, you know, No Drugman did a really, really good, informative uh, introduction video to each level, each of the three levels that we see. So the party in Jackson before... Uh, uh, Ellie and Dina's kiss, the sewer system in Seattle on Seattle day two that Ellie goes through, and then the hunt with the boar that is after the events that take place in Seattle. We got a really cool glimpse into why certain things were left out and we, how they would have maybe messed with the flow of the game. And I'm not going to lie, Kyle, it's something that I hope we see other developers maybe start to add into their games, maybe as a part of maybe a deluxe a deluxe edition of a game, maybe as part of a collector's edition. Again, I just like that peek behind the curtain for the developers. Yeah, I agree. I honestly don't know why uh, this wasn't called the director's cut, because like, you know, when Ghost of Tsushima came out with their PS5 version, that was called the director's cut, I believe. And yes. I, I feel like... This kind of content is what fits that title. And, you know, I I agree. This is what they should be putting in, you know, the director's cut. It's it's weird they call this, you know, the, uh, the remaster. But I did really like, um, even though that they were unfinished, that some of the animations and, you know, even in the, the very first one, The Party in Jackson, you, you know have to read all the subtitles. There's no animation, there's no voice acting, it's all subtitles, but I I really enjoyed uh, the inclusion of it, and I actually think that that one and the boar level, while yes, this game is a long, I felt like those sections honestly were not that long when I played them, and maybe when they were making them, you know, like Neil Druckmann said, they, they make these levels huge, and then they kind of cut them down, and I... I I think that, you know, they really weren't super long sections, and I, you know, which something we'll talk about in a minute, honestly, about how uh, the boar section, you were saying that, you know, you felt like something was missing. I think that that, you know, should have been left in, because I really, really enjoyed that section, because it gave just a little bit more context to that endgame part. Yeah, I, I I was talking with a good friend of the of the program, Tom. I was talking with him. He's a massive, massive Last of Us fan, and we were talking about it. And I told him before the game was released that one of the things I'm interested to see is if maybe there's a tie-in or maybe a kind of a hunting level um, in between the events that happen at the end of the, your time in Seattle uh, and the time that you spend on the farm. Like maybe there's a hunt that Ellie does, kind of akin to the first game when you go and you start the winter section, and you play as Ellie, and she's hunting that that deer. I wondered if maybe there was something like that that could add a little bit of context, and I'm glad that to be right about that. I think that that's a really interesting part, and what I liked about that specifically was that kind of further examined the whole 
Ellie is having to let go of this bloodlust kind of thing. She's having to let go of this thirst that she has for vengeance, and it's hard for her to let that go. And I liked specifically, Kyle, the little detail that um, the developer gave us where it was that the glory, the, the, the kill was anything but glorious. And it's more sad. It's more, wow, like Ellie has really gone to this dark place and she's still there. I like that little peek there. I like that little context. I would have loved to have seen what the finished products would have looked like. Obviously, we'll never see them because they were never finished. They were cut. But I, I certainly think that this is something I'd like to see more developers do. Because I think giving gamers a peek into what the development time and the development cycle is like, I think that allows us to further understand why games are the way they are when we play through them. Uh I wanted to touch on was Matt's point that the game was 40 hours if you were going for completion. And I just want to know, what the fuck version of the game were you playing that you spent 40 hours on the story? I think it's because just the, the realism that goes into um, a story like The Last of Us, there really is so much that you can do because there's just so much, you know, so many factions. So There's so many different types of people. You know, we, we come to meet so many of them. Like from the first game, we have, you know, Joel, Ellie. Um, you know, we have the main cast there. We have the Fireflies. In this game, you know, they introduce the wolves and we get like a, an entire new look at, this, at a side of the Fireflies with Abby, Abby's father. Like everything that they were able to, you know, fit into a game like this. Uh, it, I, I feel like that... It's it's easy to make a long story, especially someone like Neil Drunkman definitely has a lot of ideas, and he implemented a lot of these ideas into The Last of Us Part Two, and I I definitely feel like he didn't put everything he wanted to. I feel like there's a lot more, but you know, obviously you you can't make um you, you can't overbloat your game because it, it is going to stick with people that you know so much of this was unnecessary. But with the story that he told, I felt like that they did it really well, especially because they split it off into two different character stories, starting with Ellie and then starting as Abby, because there's so much to expand on Abby's story, because so many people, you know, obviously hated her because, you know, she literally killed Joel and everybody loved him. So when you are making a character playable that everyone hates, you have to give a reason as to her motives and a reason as to, you know, why we're playing as her. And, you know, I think by doing that, they were able to make a much longer game than the first game. And I, I don't think it overstated its welcome at all. That's fair. I was just curious as to how you spent 40 hours. I think in my <laughs> platinum time, I think mm -hmm. in my platinum time, I think I spent like, I want to say a little over 30. So it is a longer game. I, someone described the last of us part two really, really well. This is kind of like Naughty Dog's deluxe album uh, compared to like the first Last of Us because the first Last of Us will run you about 12 hours and this one on normal difficulty probably running you a little bit closer to 25 uh, on a first playthrough. So I think that's a really apt description. Again, not going to dive that much into the story necessarily because we've already done a full review. And while I think all three of us love the story, obviously it's a story that's it's very, very, very split and divided in the gaming community. So on to the real reason why we were all really excited. And we all liked the, la the Lost Levels. We were looking forward to those. But No Return was also the real meat and potatoes here. So Kyle, you're the big roguelike guy. So let's talk about this mode and... First things first, the big thing, Kyle. Roguelikes becoming a little bit more mainstream. That's something we love to see. I just want to correct you there. I've never played a roguelike in my life. Uh, so 
I, I just playing. <laughs> no, I. <laughs> I, I, will, I will hurt you. I will hurt <laughs> you. <laughs> I, yeah, I love roguelikes, and like I said on uh, the Valhalla DLC episode, I love seeing studios branch out and try new things because sometimes they succeed and they do very well like how naughty dog did with their version of a roguelike it's so unique to them and it also brings back a lot of familiar faces that you know we love from the series which i think is very important you gotta have those mascots for you know your rogue because obviously playing as kratos and god of wars roguelike dude nobody's gonna turn that down you know and now getting to play is pretty much Everybody from Last of Us 2 in this game, even Manny, which we were both really surprised, uh, he was the final character on Abby's side. Um, but what I really like is how they found a way to not copy and paste anybody's formula. They really set it, you know, they they set it aside to be remembered as just naughty dogs you know roguelike it's not it's not like oh it's gonna be a you know it's not a clone of Returnal. it's not a clone of you know binding of isaac or hades what i personally think was their best addition to this formula was uh how you get to kind of choose your path that you're going to take to the boss and and a lot of roguelikes it's randomized the doors you go through the encounters you get the enemies you face so this felt like it was adding an element of strategy and, you know, as somebody who really enjoys, you know, a lot of puzzle-solving games, I do like some RTS games, but it was just, it was really cool to kind of involve this new element in, you know, this uh, this genre that I really enjoy. Yeah, I, I'm with you in that, you know, you, because of you, I've played quite a few roguelikes now in my own right, and I think that, the unique factor of being able to kind of choose your own path. And I think you play in a run, I believe counting the final boss, there's eight total encounters. I believe I'm correct in that. There's either six or eight total encounters and there's different modes. There's assault, which is just, you go up against three waves of enemies that you get more enemies, the deeper you get into the run. So, but in your first encounter, if your first encounter is assault, you'll get three enemies per run. You'll start with a set loadout with no upgrade parts, no supplements, uh, no currency. You'll earn a certain amount of currency, uh, upgrade par crafting parts and supplements based on the level you pick and different paths. When you get to the branching paths, one path might offer more currency. One might offer more supplements. And you see kind of there where you can prioritize, okay, do I want to upgrade uh, my pistol that I started with? Or do I want to have more currency to be able to buy more weapons or buy recipes from the trading post at the hideout? And I like that addition of that strategy. I like being able to choose. Do I feel like if I've started with a revolver and a bow, do I feel like, okay... I should prioritize instead learning more recipes so I can create trap mines, so that I can create molotovs or health kits or silencers. What should I prioritize? Or if I started out with just, say, a military pistol, should I instead try to prioritize maybe increasing my loadout a little bit? Should I go for another holster where instead of just carrying one gun and having to swap through it by holding, you know, square and then going up and down on the D-pad, 
I can that way just press left or right and get my second gun out immediately. There's an awesome level of strategy to that. And and Matt, I feel like that is expanded upon even further when you get into the play styles, when you look character to character. I love the different play styles each of these characters offer. And they all do feel unique. Yeah, absolutely that they do. Um like Abby, Abby, I think is a bit more of um, what, what I like about Abby is the fact that she tends to get these abilities that help her heal when she gets kills. Um, Ellie is definitely really good when it comes to uh, like like stealth. Um, Joel has I actually have not a lot Joel yet, but I have heard that uh, what is it his his super his uh, ability is um, he's a little bit sturdier against melee. I think he can't melee. so he can't dodge. But mm-hmm. he's sturdier against melee. Yeah, I like that because they basically introduce is it like four playable characters? Um, no, five playable characters for each for each branch. So you got Abby's branch, you got Ellie's branch, which I really think is cool. Mel is still an interesting one that that they put in there. Um, I'm honestly surprised that they didn't put the, uh, the 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 dude in there. I can't remember his name Owen. right now. Oh, yeah. Owen, yeah, I can't. I was kind of surprised that they didn't put him in there, considering his relationship to Abby felt a little bit like more, like it would make more sense. Um, but when you're making something like this, especially like a roguelike, because you we're kind of seeing it more and more. Uh, God of War did it. What I like that how last of us did it is the fact that it still feels like you are playing the last of us it doesn't feel like you're playing a role like honestly um but but it is and i like i like uh how you can take each uh each round and really approach it differently but changing between weapons like i just start with a pistol and then i eventually went and i got myself um you know like a machine gun type of thing or um going with like the arrow bow and arrow um and when you are replaying through these characters and you're unlocking more more perks for them and you just can, you know, play it in a completely different way, you know, you might find uh, switching it up, it makes it a little bit easier. I know when I was playing and I got to my first boss encounter, you were watching me and I was in the arcade and I think it was a giant bloater I was going up against, like. It got very tense, especially at the end there when his health was almost completely gone, and then another bloater popped up. Like these are these are the kind of things that I love to see. Um, if I'm going to go back and I'm going to play a mode like this because it makes it hard, but I like the strategy. I like switching things up. I don't like it when you know things feel the same, but because each character plays differently, they have like their own perks. Um, and you can focus on those, and then if you ever replay that character, you can maybe you know, change the, uh, the way that you, uh, approached, uh, each, uh, each, um, encounter with, and, um, you know, make it, make it different. Like the, these are the, uh, these are the kind of things that I appreciate when developers actually give us choice. Yeah, I agree. I think that the different play styles, the different paths that you can take, the variety, that's a big selling point for me with this mode. That's a big selling, And it's the main reason why, I think that the $10 upgrade fee, if you already own the game, is a really, really good price point because I feel like there's hours and hours and hours of entertainment if you can get a good grasp on this mode. And now none of that is also to mention that there's custom runs where you can literally pick who your boss encounter is. You can pick the kind of encounters that you want to focus on. Like If you want to get better at, say, capture encounters where you want to try to get better at maybe not having to kill as many enemies before you unlock the safe, 
you can practice that. If you want to get better at holdout, you can have a run that focuses on that. You can also, if you have a boss fight you want to practice and get better at, you can pick the boss and do that. There's also daily runs that are really, really interesting where every 24 hours, the daily run will change. It'll force you to play as one character. It'll have a set encounter. It'll have a set run and a set group of encounters for you. And it'll make it a little bit more difficult because you don't know what to prepare for exactly. You can't see. I'm pretty sure, in fact, on the daily runs, I think every encounter is actually uh, a question mark. So you're going in completely blind, not knowing what kind of encounters. It could be holdout, capture, assault, uh, uh, hunted. It could be any of those. And you don't know before going in. And that makes it really unique. I also like that you can set the difficulty. You can play on a really easy mode, you can play on grounded, and you can play on anything in between. And you can play on custom difficulty. That's really, really cool. I like that. There is an entry point for anybody who loves this game. There is an entry point into this mode for you, and I like that. So, Kyle, let's talk about the play styles of the characters. Because I thought going in that maybe that aspect would maybe be a little bit uh, overstated. Like, maybe each character would just feel the same. And I'm pleased that they all do feel different. And I like that. Yeah, I actually, oh man, who was it that the very second one that you get right after Ellie? Oh, no, uh, not Dina. Dina. I'm so sorry. Uh, right after Dina. Uh, Jesse. Jesse. Yes. Because he was oh, the yeah. one where um, he had like unlimited rerolls in the store, right? And he had, you know, you could craft so much good shit with him i when i first got him was like i'm not gonna like playing with him and by the end of that run i was like holy shit i'm op i actually really enjoy him i was surprised because i you know I, i'll be honest when i went in i i really didn't think i was like man uh crafting I, i'm more of a you know a, a melee guy or you know i'll try and do some range with the guns but Abby is definitely my favorite person to play as though because she is really good at the melee she's really strong um, Ellie's balanced, so you can do kind of both, but I really kind of preferred Abby because of just how much she can get into, you know, physical conflict, and she can dodge, unlike some of the other people. <laughs> um, but I also like, you know, how we talked about some of the things, some of their abilities and things, it makes sense. Um, it's the little details like that in games that I, you know, I, I say it all the time, but I, I really enjoy it. I like when there are little things in there, like, you know, for example, Tommy cannot dodge because he's older. And naturally, he's not going to be as agile. He's not going to be as quick. He's also disabled. Um, yeah, he, he gets hurt in the story, and that kind of keeps the story canonical there, is that, you know, he takes an arrow... I think he takes an arrow uh, in his lower leg. He takes yeah. like, or it might be through, it might be through his knee trying to avoid the old meme there. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm glad Kyle got that. Um, they knew but what doing. yeah, they knew it there. He took an arrow in the knee, and, and ultimately, <laughs> like I like that it's canonical that way. It keeps it, it maintains continuity within the story. Same, yeah. It, it's those little details, man. I love it. I love when developers really care about the games, put that love into them because. Oh, yeah. You see that in this mode, and man, I, I you know I should have talked about this earlier when we were talking about the lost levels, but I have to take us back to this. I don't know how I forgot, but uh, I was actually screen sharing, and Rusty was watching me play through it. And when I first loaded up, I forgot because you know with the inclusion of this deluxe edition, you get costumes. 
Well, <laughs> you know, I loaded yeah, the game in, this, cool. in the very first last lost level, not knowing that my costume was actually going to still be showing there. Rusty goes, what the fuck are you wearing? And I turn around, and I'm wearing the damn astronaut outfit. <laughs> While I'm going through, <laughs> you know, these these lost levels. It, it was pretty funny, though. I just had to talk about that. But it's also cool how you can unlock outfits and other things that you can use in the story mode through No Return. It, you know, it's not just unlockables in that game mode. You can get costumes and stuff that you can use outside that you can use in the story mode which i thought was another really cool detail yeah the challenges i think are really where the meat and potatoes of being able to replay this game are because i found myself i've got all the characters unlocked i've completed a run with all the characters already um and i think that i'll tell you both after i get to through this point i'll tell you who my favorite character to play as was might actually surprise you both but (laughs) It's Mel. Um, <laughs> it's, it's it's Mel is actually my least favorite. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I, I I like that I found myself after I completed that last run. I believe I had to complete a run with Yara for my last run with a character. And after that, I did like two or three more runs, and I found myself actively trying to do the challenges. Now, you both know me. I'm not big for doing challenges in games like this. I don't really focus on that a lot. So the fact that this game got me to want to do challenges and they were fun challenges and it was added a little bit of a layer of difficulty because trying to use a bow is different than trying to use say a bolt rifle or a shotgun or trying to go for explosive kills with trap mines or pipe bombs is a little bit different than just using uh, shivs and stealth like i like that the challenges are actually fun i like that a lot and i think that those challenges do add quite a bit because it's very easy on a run to complete two or three challenges, especially early on. I, I completed all of Abby's challenges within like two runs for her. So I, I really enjoyed the challenges. Now, as far as my favorite character to play as, and I feel like this is going to surprise you both. I could not help but feel like the character I had the most fun with was Lev. I had the most fun Ooh, playing as Lev. Yeah. Because, I don't know, there was just something about like using a bow and just every kill being quiet and... And when, especially when I got explosive arrows, I felt like when I did get caught out of stealth, I could just switch over to those. And it just became so much fun to shoot explosive arrows around the map. I just had so, so much fun playing as Lev. Because Lev was also, Lev is a smaller character, so he moves around so much faster than other characters. So you feel like you're just zipping around the map, you're getting these kills in stealth, and... I don't know, man. Like, when I was playing as him, I just had a smile on my face. It was so much fun. I will say, and Kyle, I'll let you talk a little bit about this. It is really interesting that, like, Joel seems to be the hardest character to play with because he can't dodge, which I understand why Tommy can't. I don't understand why Joel can't. And that's a little frustrating. If the argument is he's older, okay, cool, but... I also think that he's a video. It's a this is a video game, and you can take advantage of that. I will say it forced me to get good at playing in stealth, knowing that if I got into melee encounters, yeah. I wouldn't be able to dodge. So I would be punished for getting into melee. So I would have to get a little bit better. So, Kyle, the joke you made. I'll let you make the joke that you said because it's really really funny. I think it'll get a laugh on here. Go ahead and say what you said to me earlier about uh, Joel and how how uh, how the creators feel about him. Man, the create Naughty Dog 
hates Joel more than any other <laughs> character, dude. I don't understand why they gave him the most brutal death. He's the hardest character to play. As everybody was excited to play as Joel, even, you know, from the moment that this was announced, people were like, Joel's got to be in there. Joel's got to be in there. And it was confirmed he was a playable character. Everybody wanted to play as him. Naughty Dog knew what they were doing. They were like, oh, okay, we made this whole second game. But y'all still want to play as the dude we killed in the very beginning. Didn't get the point. <laughs> so we're going to make him the hardest character to play as. You're not going to realize that until you unlock him last. <laughs> but, Actually, I got a quick old joke real what? fast. Maybe the reason he couldn't dodge is because he couldn't dodge the golf club. I hate you. <laughs> I hate it so much. You know, if he could dodge, you know, this game would be wanna... shorter. <laughs> It's a fact, it's a fact right there. If he could have dodged, he probably wouldn't have taken that shotgun shell to the knee. Um, but I, I want to mention a joke that uh, that Tom said earlier. And it has it has to get said on here because it's funny. It would have been hysterical if his starting class had included had included a golf club. Oh, that would have been so funny. That would have been. Hysterical. I would have. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Or at the very least, like give Abby a golf club. Like that would have been a lot of fun. I feel like that'd have been funny. So, uh, but I think it's safe to say after we've spent as long as we have talking about it, No Return's a really, really fun mode. Uh, there's obviously not a ton of critique really to go around. It is just a smaller update. I guess one critique maybe is it could have been a free update, I think. But I think if you're look, talking about paying $10 for an upgrade or paying $50 for the full price, for the full game, I will say, if you have never played The Last of Us Part Two. This is the definitive way to experience it. It was already a great-looking game on PS4. It looked great when it got that performance patch on PS5 uh, in 2022, I believe. Uh, Might have been... I think it was 2022. Might have been 2021. Um, But it already looked good, but this is the definitive way to play it. It's a really good package now that includes this side mode, includes the lost levels. And one thing I'm personally excited about, the fact that Grounded 2 is coming out, the documentary, the making of The Last of Us Part 2, that's going to be coming out soon. And I'm really excited for that because Grounded, the making of The Last of Us, was really damn good. And I really enjoyed, again, all the the behind-the-scenes stuff we got in the making. So I'm excited to see Grounded Part 2. That's going to be awesome. So that is going to do it for this episode of Side Mission. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Side Mission Pod. You can follow us on Facebook as well at Side Mission Podcast. For the boys, for Kyle, for Matt, I'm Rusty. Thanks for listening.